Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to series two of Broke and Ambitious with me, Frances Keaton. Each episode, I speak to a professional creative about how they got into the arts and how they managed to survive. We talk day jobs, good ones, bad ones, and weird ones, plus how to stay creative on the side and any money-saving tips. As we enter series two, I have a favour to ask. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to give the show a boost. My guest today is the photographic artist Francis Augusto. Francis is a photographic artist creating honest imagery that depicts our shared human experiences. His commissions include projects for Adidas, Canon, Google, Lululemon, Printworks, The Sunday Times and many, many more. He also provides lectures and workshops for emerging photographers. Here is my conversation with Francis Augusto. Thank you so much, Francis, for coming on today. And it is it is such a joy to see you, seriously. Every time I see you, it's just like a warm hug. And it's been three years. Can no, you believe hasn't. that? No, it hasn't. Since we saw each other, yeah, I think so. Because the last time I saw you, I gave you a tour of a pirate ship. Yeah, you that did. Was <laughs> that was owned by Francis Drake. So three Francises. The Holy Trinity. <laughs> Also, that ship is really small. Like, I know it's meant for kids, but it's really small. It's not meant for kids. It's like the original dimensions of men that went out fighting in the sea and going around the world for a year. Really small men. (laughs) So, yeah, so we we met on a job where I was presenting educational assemblies and you were taking amazing promotional photos for the company. And those mornings were awful because it was so early. We were in the middle of nowhere at some school and I was exhausted, but you always gave me energy. Do you know why? Why? Premier in breakfast. <laughs> Premier in hash brown breakfast fueled my mornings all the time. I'd literally go downstairs very early knowing I'm about to have Premier in breakfast most of the time. And that in of itself just made me very happy. So by the time I got to you, I'd already had my breakfast, I'm listening to my music, and I'm going to take pictures of some people just smiling, and, and there was kids around. So it's, it was kind of hard, unless I was going through some really tough times, it was hard to go into that situation not happy, if that made sense. Aww. Yeah, no, you're right. That does that when you've painted that picture, it does sound good. But yes, but since then you have become hugely successful as a photographer, as I mentioned in the intro, with commissions for Adidas, Canon, Lululemon, Printworks. Do you say Adidas or Adidas? I've never said Adidas. I've always said Adidas. Okay, thank God. I've, I suddenly I, freaked out. Really? I was like, yeah, I was like, if I just said this like a weirdo. <laughs> I've always thought like British people would say Adidas, and and everyone yeah. else would say Adidas. But I'm constantly learning words that I've just been saying wrong my entire life. Oh, give like, me Okay, so biopic. I've always been, like, you know, like, this is a biopic about, I can't think of anyone, Elvis Presley. I've been saying, <laughs> I always say biopic. I think either word. I don't know. <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> Wait. And like, and like table, I've always been saying tableau. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Adidas, right. Um, and the Sunday Times as well. And you're represented now. Congratulations. Thank you. It feels, it felt very weird at the beginning. Um, went through some like mental health kind of downturn at the beginning of it, but came out quite nice afterwards once I kind of got to grips, became much more present and better. But yeah, it's, it's worked out in the long run much better than it was before. Oh, brilliant. So the bad mental health period was before you were represented or like it was, at the start? It was once I got representation. Um, right. I think it's, it's, it's just a human trait of, of like, so when we look at our mental health and where it kind of deteriorates or has stagnant moments is like whether you're anxiety, anxious about what the future is going to hold or you get relatively depressed about what happened in the past, right? So mm. once I get signed, my mind went straight into this idea that... I'm going to be earning thousands and hundreds of thousands of pounds every job. My job's yes. going to come in next week, right? And so this idea of what I would be and the reality of it was very, very distant. And so I immediately started to go down this slope of like, why am I not getting these jobs? Um, am I a shit photographer? And just for for like the preceding two to three months, I just wasn't in a good space because I thought I was better than where I was. And then I just had to remind myself, that just because I get signed doesn't change what was happening before. It may change in the long run, right, in the process of being a photographer and the jobs that you could potentially get. But right now, I'm still exactly in the same space. I still have to operate the way I used to operate and accept things as they are. And when they do get better, adjust to that. But I can't think about kind of 10 years down the line when I'm nowhere near there. And so... That happened. And so when I, after those three months, I really, what was really good is that I went to um, Thailand and uh, Vietnam for a week and a bit or nearly two weeks, came back and that just re, re-energized me and just refocused my idea on like where I am as a photographer, made me feel very, very grounded. And since then, it's just been very much about what is happening now. And then if, when I'm looking to the yeah. future, these are the things I want to achieve. Obviously, these are my goals. But what am I doing now to get to that place? I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, that's helped when, when I was going through that. That's really inspiring. Because obviously, you know, I haven't seen you in three years. I saw all your amazing work and I saw you were represented. And, you know, it just looks like strength after, after strength. But what you just said about when you get a huge achievement, like being signed or recognition, yeah, the pressure you put on yourself and the, you know, you feel like, great, I've landed, I've made it, but then stuff doesn't happen automatically and then you start doubting yourself. So uh, well done for, for getting through that. And it's only up from here. <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, I guess I was just going to begin by asking you, how did you get into photography? What's been your journey into the creative arts? Okay. Uh, I'd say the journey probably in some way starts when I moved to England as an asylum seeker. I'm going to try to keep this not too long. Um, and I couldn't speak a word of English. And so I spent a long time just observing things happening. Um, and that, in, in many ways, like is what I do now in terms of just like looking at things happening and taking pictures. And then as I was growing up, uh, when I was about 14, really assimilated to kind of the UK and a friend of mine Jake started taking pictures at school and I was really intrigued by how that whole thing was happening uh got to college and my mate Aaron was taking photography as a course and I was just like you know what I might just I might as well do this because at that same time another friend of mine Ashley was kind of slowly building his own kind of credibility in the the music photography scene 
Um, and I just pestered my mum and my great uncle to get me a camera. They got me one, 17, and I just started taking pictures. And it, it, at the beginning, it was just purely because, one, like I said, when I was younger, I used to observe quite a lot. And I used to be able, I used to love people watching. And then now I've got a camera and what I'm doing is just people watching and capturing those moments. Um, and then I spend the next years, like probably three, four years after that, just having fun. And then I got to 23. Um, no, I was like, yeah, I was 23 and I was at this charity after uni and I loved it. But there was there was just something in me that just, just felt unfulfilled and felt just, there was something else missing. And so, and I've always been someone who, um, I'm relatively nihilistic and sometimes way too optimistic. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave. Um, so I quit my job, uh, without having any clue about what I'm going to do. And I told my manager, I'm going to do photography full time. She was awesome about it. Went into 2017, knowing that in February, I'm going to leave my job. Then realizing that I had no plans and I, and I was just going to, have to wing everything and so like I went into that that whole year that first year of photography full-time 2017 just making up as I was going along um and I knew that fundamentally as a photographer what I wanted to do was find a way to share a, a kind of a mirror to the realities of people's lives and just be honest with my photography and kind of be as authentic with what people are experiencing so with that I felt very strongly about never putting a ridiculous amount of retouching in my work not not too much staging it was as I saw mm -hmm. it and um and slowly like I've been able to build on that ethos so to speak um and every year as, as it's gone on in terms of freelancers in 2017 it's been about how do I what's the next step Either I look at certain other photographer who's where I want to be, or I look at my peers and look at my work and go, okay, these are the next things that I want to do. And then I try it out. Normally I do a test or I just travel for a bit and take photos. And I come back and I realise, okay, cool, these are the things I want to do. And then I do them. And one of the examples is like during last year when everything was happening, I've, I was really, really obsessed about getting into film photography properly. And so summer 2020, I just started testing with different film cameras, medium formats, and I found that the Mamiya was the best one that felt most comfortable to me. And then that's what I started shooting with. And then eventually I bought one, and a lot of the work that I do now is on is on the Mamiya. And that that kind of nihilism and optimism and sometimes blind optimism has really helped me not be too hung up on perfection. Um, yes. So like I really believe in the kind of the Japanese kind of philosophy of wabi sabi in terms of there's no such thing as perfection is and there's there's a level of beauty in imperfections and not always yes. striving to do the thing that looks exactly as it is, but working mm -hmm. against and some of my photography you see is sometimes like not composed properly or not fully in focus or there's a bit of blur or there's there's something mm -hmm. that doesn't fit like the conventional really good photography and a part of me doesn't do that on purpose but I just look at a photo and and my my idea is like does it feel good when I look at that photo do I see that person as they are and if they see that photo back will they feel like that's them and if that's yeah, and yeah. if that's the answer I get back and I'm happy kind of 
yeah, that was, oh. that was my that was soliloquy. Um, so when you came here and you were you couldn't speak English fully and you were observing, that's that's such a great point because yeah, the photographer is the observer or the you know the creative in many ways. You are whatever you're doing, whether you're performing, you're writing, you're directing, you're phot- photographing. You are trying to hold a mirror up to what you're seeing and observe. Um, Okay, so a big part of this podcast is talking about day jobs and how we managed to survive working as a creative. You mentioned earlier that you left a job to launch into photography. So Francis, what has been your best day job? Um, My best day job? Probably I'd say working as a youth worker, you know? Like that's oh wow that's that's so before photography became a real thing, and I, before I left the charity job, I worked at a, a um a youth centre in South London for about professionally for about four or five years, but I was with them since I was thirteen, um wow. and it was really terrible pay. Um, the kids hated me, but I loved it. <laughs> I, lo- I loved every every moment that I had every single time I had to try to kind of break up a a fight or I'd go have a visit at a parent's house to kind of talk about their child. Um, Mm -hmm. That was my favourite job because it was was something that I purely loved because it was out of me. It it didn't have anything to do with me. It had everything to do with the young people I was working with. Um, And I think that's that's probably why I I had never been able to do any other jobs like whether it's working in retail or as a waiter because all of that stuff for me and this is like a level of privilege or kind of ignorance is it just felt really annoying and and I just didn't I didn't want to be serving someone for no reason and it felt like if I ever did that I'd end up being in prison because like humans are incredibly annoying but working as a youth (laughs) worker which is probably more taxing you just you feel the real worth of being able to help someone um, and yeah. seeing someone who's coming to you at a really, either really great <laughs> stage or a bad stage in their lives and they trust you and you're that trusted person and you offer them advice or you offer them the time. And in time, you see that develop themselves and this, you see them become better people. Um, that's so much more rewarding than I think anything else I've ever done. And you said you were you've been connected to them since you were thirteen. So did you benefit from youth work when yeah. you were younger? Yeah, I was like okay. I don't know if I've ever had this chat when we were like um working together or hanging out. But I was a I was a little <laughs> shit. I was a mid level delinquent <laughs> at school. I wasn't I wasn't Really like I was nice and I wasn't a terrible human being, but I was also not the best. I got arrested for ABH when I was thirteen and so we had to move areas. <gasps> because of that um and like I said I was not the worst kid in the school but also I just I didn't really like school and I didn't get along with too many people and I was with the bad crowd and so when we moved we moved to an area called Wandsworth in Patmore estate which is kind of Wandsworth Battersea Vauxhall area Mm -hmm. and so when I moved there some things happened and then one time this youth worker called Roger met me um asked me to play football for the local youth club started playing football with them got in a bit of trouble and then he just he was just always there um this Bangladeshi South Londoner was just always there um and so just quite naturally, I started to gravitate towards him. And I think a part of that also has to do with, like, my dad not being there for a long time. 
uh, or I haven't seen him since I was 14. Mm. And so he became that surrogate fi- figure for me. And it became, because I knew that it, it his his love or his trust or his kind of guidance was not from a place of like dutifulness that he had to do this. It was because he wanted to, mm. right? And he he took it upon himself to kind of be someone there for me. And so naturally, as years kind of went on, I started volunteering and I started to kind of reap the benefits of that. Got involved with different kind of pro uh, projects and programs. Went to the spoke at the House of Commons or House of Lords a couple times as well. So I just did a few things, and then eventually it just it felt really normal to do the, the youth work thing for a while. And f- throughout my life, I've been that kind of person where if something doesn't feel right or isn't working for me, I kind of really have have a time to kind of really talk to myself and see how I feel. And then make a decision. Um, and so the decision to leave youth work and go into photography came because I just didn't like the bureaucracy of the kind of the youth sector. And I didn't like where the, for me, where the charity was going. And I just wanted okay. to do okay. something different. But before then, when I was working one to one with young people, it was the greatest thing ever. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. I had no idea about that that part of your life wow have you ever photographed this guy that took you under his wing no it's one of those things where like there's a lot of times where we don't have pictures of our best friends or with our best friends and Mm. stuff and i think he's he's so special to me that at one point i would definitely want to do a project and take some photos of him but i haven't yet incredible okay so your best day job was working as a youth worker that is such a beautiful story what has been your worst day job? Um, okay. <laughs> so this job that I did as a photographer for someone when I was just like trying to make some money, trying to trying to go places. And so there's this <laughs> lady who got in touch there. to take some photos at her her dad's birthday. And I okay. emailed back and said, hey, just so you know, I'm not really a birthday photographer. I don't really do that kind of stuff. But here's my work. Let me know what you think. So I like I gave her the opportunity to get out, and she was like, "No, your work is amazing." Ba 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 ba. And she goes, "Yes, do it. Meet here and de- and like have fun." Right. Throughout the whole night, it was the tugging. It was a, have you taken photos of this? I I've never felt more annoyed by a client on set than I had done <laughs> for them. And then I finished the job, and then I send the photos and. Like once I send the photo, she goes, "These are shit. I'm not sending. I'm not paying you." And I'm, <gasps> like, I'm like, "No!" And so I told her, "Look, no, no, no. You're you, you're gonna have to pay me because I was there all night and I took the photos that you wanted." Yeah. And she was like, "Oh, but even my friends on their iPhone took better photos." And I was like, "Ooh." Oh my god, that is awful. I just decided to go. You know what? I don't need this stress on my life. So we went back and forth for like a week, I think, or a couple of weeks. And I just took, I think, a percentage of the money and I just left. And I just was so annoyed by myself to, for taking the job because I knew, like, kind of personal birthday parties is not, isn't what I do. And so I shouldn't have done that in the first place. But also, I needed mm-hmm. money. 
I mean, it sounds like she was kind of just after what you get in nightclubs, that person going around taking, like, you know, glossy pictures of you, like, with some champagne. But this just goes against your incredible work and, you know, the, the you know, the beauty of imperfections and real life and stuff. You don't, oh, okay, just cross-purposes. That is, I feel, I feel like that definitely allowed me to grow some callous when it comes to working with clients and just not take everything too seriously, but also get the specifics out of the way um, first, especially if you're working yes. with a specific direct client, you know, working with like a business. And so now when I do like portraits for someone, I'm a big fan of making sure we get mood boards of what they want. We get those out of the way and then we have fun. So in any of the fun photos, mm -hmm. they may like it, but we get all the kind of necessary photos first. So presumably now you you, you receive payment before you do the job. Uh, it, it goes either way. It goes either way. Huh. But I think the difference I, I, now is that um, there's somebody whose job it is to track down my payment and make sure I get paid full. Of course. Oh, and that must feel so good. It's the most liberating <laughs> thing ever. And also their job is to kind of make sure I'm happy first, not the client. And they balance both. And I don't have to do any of that. I can just come in with my airy fairiness and just like, oh, this colour will look good here and we can do this. And then just take the pictures and I'm, I'm just out. Oh, I must feel so good. Proper artist. Just like, look, I'll bring my talent. I'm not here for the admin. This yeah. is it. This is it. This is exactly it. Ever since we first met, which was 2017, which now I realise was you at the beginning of your photography journey, you have always had a really strong sense of your worth as a creative and like, I'm not going to accept free jobs and like, I am a photographer and, you know, and I was always impressed with that. So I'm kind of shocked that you were at the beginning of your journey then because like, for example, as an actor, when I was at the beginning of my journey, I was constantly doing free stuff I was like happy to you know like thank you oh yeah no I'll give you six weeks of my time and I'm just happy to be in it yeah but like but you know but it took a long time to realize I'm I'm working like I do tax returns this is my job I need to be paid for my time you know and you've always had that which is fantastic um what has been your weirdest day job I mean I did get proposed to have to go to a sex party once. <gasps> okay, tell me about this. It didn't happen. It. Um, this is professional. Oh. <laughs> Cannot confirm. Cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> it, it, it's it's recorded. If it wasn't recorded, then we're not recording. I did go. If it is recorded, I didn't go. You know. Okay, you didn't go, guys. You didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I was doing this job. Um, it was kind of a festival in London. And I was taking photos at this place and it was really, really great. Uh, I'm trying not to say any particular details for people to find out. But I was taking the photos and it was really, really good. The event was amazing. I felt like I'd had a really good night. I like, like you sometimes when you do a job and you just feel like you smashed everything in that job. Um, and so, and I was getting to know people who was like organizing it and talking to them about what they do outside of it and smashing it and then sending because with my camera I can send photos quite quickly because it's got Wi Fi. So I'll send a photo so they can upload the photos as I'm taking them. Um, so that that's like a really good benefit for any photographers out there. Um, and then the, the event was coming to a wind down and there was like, hey, um, we're having this party. Um, don't know if you're into what's happening here or like do you want to come and I was like I don't know yeah cool and then I go and then it's there you know 
Yeah. And then I go, and uh, no further questions. Yeah. So were you taking were you taking photos or were you just invited to be like just a, a person both. at the party? Both. At the after party, both. So also, I um for about a year or two years, I was the um, event photographer for Pop Brixton. Yeah. If you've been before. Yeah. Okay. And basically, they had all the events that you'd imagine from like. Patrick's Day to Halloween parties so you could say some of those parties were quite weird the Halloween one was really weird because people really took Halloween very seriously and I'm, I, get, <laughs> I get scared very quickly what like you had vamp- like real vampires there yeah I mean they would come in dressed to the boots with everything proper cosplay stuff as well um okay. like if you're Dracula, proper Dracula, all of these things, and then the parties would be happening, and they would like pretend to be sucking my blood, and I'd be like, "Don't do that. I don't. I don't want that to happen." But also, hmm, this is kind of nice, uh, you know. So it really it was quite nice. Let's just keep it at this level. Maybe don't penetrate the skin. Let's just, uh, you know, a little a kiss. Yeah, I mean. That's that sounds hilarious because there are people out there who do believe they are vampires. I've seen these documentaries and it sounds like they were all those were the people at that the party. <laughs> and added to that, they were drunk. Like you can see the the difference between somebody who's really drunk or can't handle their drink, somebody who's like a functioning drunk because you can see their eyes and everything and how they move. You can see like the guys who think they're top dog. You can see the ladies who like trying to help on you. The amount of times like plus 50 women proposing to go back with them when I was there is is ridiculous <laughs> I nearly said yes bit of a bit of a bit of an older babe magnet are we Francis hey ev- everyone needs some loving everyone needs some loving okay so yeah that just that all sounds pretty weird I'm seeing vampires and sex parties and all kinds of things so Francis, how do you stay creative on the side? I know you recently did some stunning portraits of your family during lockdown, which I loved, and you've got several projects on the go, but how do you stay creative? Um, so recently, I, so there's a friend of mine called Sam Furness, who I love uh, deeply. He's got this thing called Channel 12, which is like a Instagram and a programme for himself and a studio, which is about like kind of inspiring people to be creative outside of the work and within themselves um so he had this program called creative quests where it encourages people for a month to be dedicated to one theme and so one of the things that was doing this month was on color and just really exploring color and looking at color differently uh which inspired me to get into painting again which was amazing so like with me one of the things that really keeps me creative is 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 just life and it sounds fucking Yeah, man, just life, life. <laughs> no Sometimes I, when I feel un, uncreative or something, I go out, mm. take a walk, and I just absorb everything. But at the same time, on the other side of the hippie stuff, the reality is when I'm not feeling creative or when I want to feel creative, I lean into the kind of bad side of our feelings and I, mm. and I allow myself to feel that way and, and, and have conversations to myself about that. And I meditate or something. And what happens from that is either I get creative ideas or I look at my work differently. And that's also a different process of that whole being creative on the side thing that I really started to appreciate the last year. Um, so I kind of try to combine all these different things. Um, also, I love looking at other people's work, whether it's photography 
or um, illustration or something that also really helps um shows on online like um so recently i started watching this show called casual which is really interesting conversation around like just normal human relationships and stuff and I, that's those kind of things really inspire my creativity as well especially my personal projects um mm. and those are just sometimes i'll just take pictures for the sake of it uh with my eyes if that makes sense that doesn't make sense uh, <laughs> i just nah. yeah and click um, can you stop winking at me, please? <laughs> In my head, there's this like warehouse of pictures that I've taken when I've wow, winked yeah. purposely and not like just blinking, which now sounding it out doesn't. It's a shame you can't have all these hard drives to back up your memories and all those mental photos you've taken. I disagree. I think it's oh. a good thing because when it does come to you, you feel it and you appreciate that moment even more. Like if you think about our lives and when we're at any moment, something will happen to us where we remember a certain moment, that it, be- it becomes quite visceral and it becomes very real that that thing happened. If we had hard yeah. and we can go back to it all the time, it won't make it as like precious, I think, as, as it does with like other pictures that we can just go back and look at. Those, those moments become so much real, more real because we can remember that moment and live that moment again and accept it as that moment and then move on back to like what's happening now, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. No, that does make sense. Yeah. I was going to say it would be good if you could sort of take the traumatic moments and genuine trauma and put that on a hard drive until you're ready to like... <laughs> that would be therapist. It would be good, but then also... Bringing, bringing even that trauma to every moment and, and stuff you're observing every day and those sort of mental photos you're taking has its value, I think. So you're right. This God, this is fucking deep, isn't it? This is going to win awards this episode. This is definitely me. And also it's good that you're also reciprocating it as well. Ah, oh, well, two Francis's. That's, that's fantastic advice. I love everything that you just said. So... Just, uh, you know, observe life, absorb life, lean into those times when you're not feeling creative and don't beat yourself up, don't try and force it. Look at other people's work. Um, Watch stuff online, yeah. Fantastic. That thing about looking after people's work is really important to kind of find a balance because, like, I'm I'm going to assume that you're the same way where sometimes, as we're getting into it, you know, kind of the start of our careers, looking, over, looking at other people's work can be really detrimental to our emotional state and our kind of confidence and so so it's really important to find a a method within yourself where you looking at other people's work doesn't mean anything on your work uh, kind of mm. primarily it's, it's nothing to do with you it's you just appreciating something else and so whether that influences you where you how you take pictures you accept that and it's not and it's really hard to find that kind of that kind of that, that nuance that allows you to look at other people's work with kind of kind of adoration without any animosity that yes. is difficult but once you are able to do that it, it allows you to be so much more free yes that's so true and I think it depends what kind of state of mind you're in as well like if I went to see a play and I was feeling just really shit then it probably wouldn't be in a good I would be comparing myself but if you're just feeling in a decent state of mind that's the time when you should go and just appreciate yeah <laughs> So thank you for sharing that. And Francis, do you have any top tips for saving money as a creative or any life hacks? Um, so like there's a few things that I've learned that um can help. 
So one thing is putting your your expenditure to like brackets of percentages. And so if you get in the money for some for a job that you've got, put a percentage down on like tax and then yourself and then groceries and bills. So you already know before you start spending money what money would need to be going out. You'd put that money to a certain kind of space, whether you've got multiple cards, if you've got a business card and you've got a kind of personal account card as well. That's one thing. Get Definitely get a business card. By doing that, you're allowing yourself the space to go, to be kind of objective about your money and going, this is what I'm going to spend. This is how much is gonna, I need to save. And that helps mm-hmm. a lot. So that's one thing. Um, okay. Second thing I'd say is definitely like, this is going into like, more investment stuff but figure that out as well and figure out like there's i use a app called plum and another one called wealth simple where you take maybe you can even put start with a pound a month that goes into some kind of investment thing and you don't have to do anything and you can do it where it just takes money out of your account every month really cheaply that's and the reason why i'm kind of pushing that is because when we're creatives it's hard to save money and it's even harder because one, we're probably spending money on expenditure for our work or whatever. And then so then this, the money that is saved is difficult to keep. They could keep on taking it out. So if we have like a card that we put money into that we don't touch and it's all about just that money going into some investment stuff, in 5, 10, 20 years it multiplies, it's that so much more comfortable because we don't have to continuously put money in and save it. It saves itself and you get money back. So that's one. So it invests into sorry. So it invests into businesses and stuff. Yeah, that's essentially what it does. But also, and how does it know? Is are they very safe ones? Like, what if you got a loss? So you can choose. So you can choose how risk averse you want to be or how risky right. you want to be. It's called what? Sorry, Plum. Plum and what was the other one? Wealth. Wealth simple. Wealth simple. Yeah. No, I think that people listening will find this really, really interesting. I didn't know any any of this stuff. Plum is probably my favourite because you can have different pockets of money that your money goes to. So for example, you have a personal account and a business account and your money comes in, you get let's say you get a thousand pounds and you're gonna have to save you're gonna put twenty percent uh, that's the third probably the third advice is that always put twenty percent of your money towards tax and you don't touch that money. Yes. Right? Yes. It's hard to do that, but once you start doing that regularly, every single income, it makes tax season so much easier because you're not having to think about how much money can I earn quickly to be able to pay for tax. But if you're already doing that before tax season, you already got a a lump sum of money that you're going to go towards it and then maybe you just top it up with something else. And so I was going to say is what, what Plum does, which is really, really helpful, is you can put different pockets of money to save up for certain things. So, for example, if you're going to go travel next year and you want to put £500 to save, you just put a pocket of money that every single month it might take 10% of whatever income is in that um, po- uh, pocket of money it will put into that into the savings and it will continuously doing that and you don't have to do any of the work, which allows you to be much more relaxed about it. I was going to say you you use QuickBooks and I've noticed you post a lot of Otis the Tax. Yes. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So um, I totally forgot about those. Um, so QuickBooks is really good because um, that helps with invoicing. Um, and also if you've got an accountant, they can easily access it. So they can do your accounts for you for the year. Um, and because it does, it, it, it you see all your transactions that you're having. So that's really, really, really useful. Um, Otis Tax, that's my mate's um, business and it's one of the best 
to kind of just have advice on your tax that you're you're bringing in or the tax that you need to pay it's really good to stay up to date if you're not someone that's literate when it comes to tax and money yes i very much count myself as an illiterate when it comes to tax that yeah they've really helped me whenever you share that the otis tax stuff yeah God, I can't believe how on top of everything you are. It's, that was incredible. It's so a facade. Amazing. I need to sort my life out. Okay, thank you for that. Um, and also, I, I imagine knowing lots of food stations in Pop Brixton is good for getting free food. That's a good life hack. <laughs> oh, like, start... This is if you are comfortable with. But start cooking your own stuff. Like, it's, it's so much... Especially now in the last year, I've really got into cooking. And you save mm. so much money when you can cook. And most of the time, what you realise is it's easier to cook most of the time the things that you think is really hard. Like, pasta is really easy. And you can always, like, have enough for the next few days. It just makes life much easier if you can cook. And you don't have to be great at all. You can just be... You can just make the most bare minimum. Well, yeah, I, I, your food looks amazing. Brilliant. Okay, so, Francis, what would be your dream job? Getting commissioned or being given money to do a story on experiences of people. Like an example would be, just say, Nat Geo, get in touch and say, um, we'd love you to go to India and like spend time with this group of people and take photos of them. And that's your job. And that's the money you get. That's like, that's, that's the best yeah. job. And I've had a few of them where... I just get to know people and I take photos and it's just it's difficult to find those that are paid enough money but those will be my favorite jobs and sometimes you have to create those situations that's something I, I try to teach anybody that kind of wants to take time to listen is you don't you can't always wait for the best job to come you have to create your opportunity to get those best jobs so either by doing your own personal projects which is about a job that you'd want and then you message a photo editor or a um a business that you'd like to work with and go hey i've done this project i'd like to have some money to do more and you're not always gonna it's not always gonna work out but doing that and taking that initiative is probably the best advice i'd give towards having that best job that you'd want brilliant okay so your dream job would be something involving travel and photographing a community potentially for national geographic wow but it sounds like you're already on your way to creating that opportunity. So I'm not even worried for you, mate. That's fantastic. Okay, finally, Francis, do you have anything to plug? Where can people find you? On on Instagram, Francis Augusto? They can find me in South London. I'm normally eating somewhere in the park. <laughs> okay, okay. A physical plug there, yeah. Um, but yes, your website as well. We will put all the links into the bio of this episode as well. So your website, your Instagram, your, I mean, where the heart is, is, is all, all your projects are on your website yeah. as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me virtually. Francis, it's been a joy. <laughs> thank you for lovely. your time. Really appreciate it, Francis. <laughs>